shall we pray father in the name of jesus we thank you that you are good and your mercy endureth forever we thank you for deliverance for healing for exempting us from unfortunate circumstances we thank you for your healing we thank you for your generosity and we thank you for accepting us we pray that may christ the lord be exalted in our discussion tonight in the name of our lord jesus Amen. We thank God for under 24 hours. I like to call it the miracle of life. The opportunity to work the works of him who has called us and to finish it. The opportunity to do the will of him who has called us. While we are in the day season of our life, whilst we have the opportunity, the resources, the time, the energy to do it. Because the time is going to come in our lives, which may be the time after death or after rapture where we will not be able to contribute. The Bible says we will cease from our labor's rest. That time is going to come and we can't add anything to what we have done. So whilst we have the opportunity, we are believing God for grace to work for you. And so tonight, we are looking at uh, hopefully a short exhortation. God just wants to encourage us. God just wants to remind us of his word to us. And we'll be looking at what we title, Know Your God. Know Your God. Last week, we studied about the requirement of being diligent or being hardworking, not being slothful in whatever we find ourselves doing. And countless times in the book of Proverbs, we are told that the diligent hand shall rule. The diligent shall be lord over the slothful. The diligent is it's like there's always a correlation between diligence and prosperity. Now, of course, some will be quick to say, it's not every, I know people are hardworking, but they are not rich. That's true. There are other factors, but one undeniable factor. So not all, so you can see something like not all diligent people may become or are rich, but all those who are rich are diligent. All of them who are rich, genuinely rich, not funny, funny riches. So tonight we want to look at Daniel 11. And I'm sure immediately the title, Know Your God, comes. And I've mentioned Daniel. Everybody's mind is going to Daniel 11:32. They that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And of course, that's the scripture we are going to. Daniel 11. And it has never really occurred to me, but the chapter is a very interesting chapter. Daniel 11 is one of the intriguing, is one of the, the sweet things about the authenticity of the Bible. So let's just go and read the verse 11. I read from the key. Let me from the NIV version first which I think is more accurate in this verse as compared to the King James. So it's that with flattery, he will corrupt those who have violated the covenant. But the people who know their God will firmly resist him. That's how it ends it. But the King James puts it this way. Daniel 11 verse 32, it says that, And, and such shall do wicked again the covenant, again the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God, they shall be strong and do exploits. The people that do know their God, they shall be strong and do exploits. So Daniel 11 is one of the, the, in fact, I should say the most detailed prophecy and clear prophecy in the Bible. It never really occurred to me until I started just looking into, into the chapter. In fact, it's one of the prophecies that has been highly debated because of the accuracy of the prophecy. So many historians believe that this passage was written 
after the prophecy happened because of the details and the accuracy of the prophecy many people doubted that indeed somebody wrote this about 3 to 400 years before it occurred because for most of the prophecies like explain the ones concerning Jesus you find bits and pieces some in Isaiah some in Jeremiah scattered all around bits and pieces and you really need if I should say revelation you really need the help of the holy spirit to clearly piece that they are really talking about Jesus. If you look at the Psalms so many times, I think Psalm 22, if I'm correct, David was able to predict the words of Jesus that you see on the cross. And those things are their bits and pieces. But if you look at Daniel 11, Daniel is literally giving us a detailed account of what is going to happen about 300 years. And what was going to happen was going to last for about 100 years. And Daniel gave it from, from, from the beginning to the end like so detailed and he was talking about basically two kings the king of the south and the king of the north and please make time to read it it's, it's very fascinating you can read it in a, a more easier version let's say maybe amplified or niv it's, it's really fascinating and generally the details of the prophecy and what has happened the king of the north who is the one that we read about in the verse that he shall do wickedly who shall do the wickedly he shall do wickedly against the covenant and it's corrupt by flatteries. So who are they talking about? They're talking about the king of the north, a particular king. And this person they have described, their life and everything about the person is directly the same as Alexander the Great. In fact, it, it's so detailed that many people knew about Alexander the Great, something that even history missed out on. But Daniel captured it. And it's so fascinating. And Daniel 11, as I said earlier on, captures about hundreds of years about the king of the north. So after Alexander died, his kingdom divided and all these things, and it was inherited by four um, four generals. One took over, I think, um, one was the king of the area of the south, one was of Egypt, one was of Syria, and the headquarters was in Egypt. All these things, the king of Syria, the, everything is exactly as Daniel prophesied about 300 to 400 years ago. But what we want to learn is, as Daniel was prophesying, or was talking about how this king of the north is going to cause great havoc. And that, so let's let, let's read the NIV. Let's start from the verse, um, let's see. So verse 27. So two kings with their hearts bent on evil will sit at the same table and will lie to each other, but no avail. He's talking about what Alexander and the king of the south will do. And here again, it was so detailed. Exactly this happened. Because an evil will still come at the appointed time. The king of the north, who is Alexander the Great, will return to his own country with great wealth. But his heart will be set against the holy covenant. He will take action against it, then return to his own country. At the appointed time, he would invade the south again. But this time, he would overcome them with... But this time, the outcome will be different from what was before. This was how Alexander died. Ships of the western coastlands would oppose him and he would lose heart. Then he will return back and vent his fury against the Holy Covenant. He will return and show favor to those who forsake the Holy Covenant. His armed forces would rise up to desecrate the temple fortress and would abolish the daily sacrifice. So because Alexander lost a particular battle, he was angry against the Jews, those who were keeping on to the covenant of the Holy God. Then he will set up the abomination that caused dissolution. And this, in the King James, it puts it this way, the abomination of dissolution. Yeah, and this is the only time in the scripture this particular phrase appears. And it's exactly what Alexander did. 
And one of the things that he, with flattery, he will corrupt those who have violated the covenant. Then it goes to say, but those who know their God. And what is God trying to tell us, especially in this time? God is saying that certain kings will be misbehaving in their quest for power, in their quest to exert their dominion and their reign. They'll be doing so many things. There'll be wars. There'll be there'll be all sorts of unimaginable things going on. And when these things are happening, commonness would be affected. And you could see it currently. Maybe a part, maybe let's say that Ukraine, Russia, you putting as an issue against Ukraine or whatever. And a common taxi person in Ukraine is suffering. A student in Ukraine is suffering. People are, things above you are happening. But whether it's your fault or not, those things happening above you are going to affect the common person. Now we have so much economic issues going on. And you as a, let's say, a business person, as a, as a worker, as a doctor, as a nurse, as a lawyer, as an engineer, as a teacher, as a taxi driver, what does this mean to you? It can be really scary. Because all of a sudden, the prices of fuel are changing. And this is something that you have no control over. All of a sudden, maybe you're into a particular business and all of a sudden, something new has come up and you are just losing your job. Everything is going crazy. And things are happening that are beyond our control, far above us. People who are sitting in the corridors and the citadel of power are taking decisions that are fueled by their lust, fueled by their ego, fueled by their crazy imagination. But the common people are suffering. To the extent that one king is so angry that now that he's telling his anger to Christians, to the church, and he's saying that with flattery, he's going to corrupt people. But Daniel chips in something very important. He says, I missed all what is happening. There's going to be a group of people who will be able to resist him. That's what the NIV version says. But the King James says that there will be a group of people who will be strong and they will do exploits because they know their God. You know, just um, last week at work, doing, I was working at Zeret just to listen to a sermon and I just happened to miss Miles Monroe. So I just went to YouTube and found one of his sermons I was listening to. And I think that it was not a sermon, it was an interview with, um, it, was, it was an interview. And this interview took place in 2014. And I listened to what Miles Monroe was saying. And he made issues like about the fact that the economy of America was going to turmoil. People were losing their jobs. There was great recession. Like there was really a massive shakeup in 2014. And I even said I only do research to, to know exactly what's happening. But I, I, I was unable to do. But I was just intrigued that as of 2014, the situation that he was describing in his interviews exactly what's happening now. The prices of gas or fuel is gone up. Price, everything is just escalating. People are losing jobs because companies can no longer afford. And as he was describing a particular situation in America in 2014, it's exactly the same thing happened. And I'm like, the world it has been the same. Every time we are, oh, things are hard. Things have always been hard. Things have never been easy. And it's never going to get easy. But as at that time, I think at that point, he was raising funds or something. Or like a thousand dollars, you should still be able to give a thousand dollars. And I was like, currently, thousand dollars is, is money. It's still money. Well, because I'm in Ghana, so the the exchange rates. But if as of 2014, when according to him, people were losing their jobs in America, the economy was in shambles. There was great recession. There was so much going on, and people were still able to give that money. I'm saying it's the same thing happening now, and it's the same thing that's ever going to happen. And in fact, it's going to get worse. Just recently. An earthquake happened in, in, in Turkey. 
Then the scripture just came to me, you shall hear of earthquakes. There are wars and rumors of wars. And I love what Jesus said, that all these things will happen, but they yet have not even come. Hey, fantastic. All these things are happening. We are, we are not getting there yet. But I missed all these things. I miss how people will lose their jobs, absolutely not because of them, but because of maybe technology or whatever. Daniel gives us a caveat. And he's saying that to survive in life is to know your God. And not just to survive, but try and do exploit. What you need is not another degree. What you need is not another job. But what you need is to know your God. What you need is to know your God. Because it's not going to get easier. Prices are never going to come down. Things are not going to go as they were. We have moved on. We are moving on. There will be more epics. Presidents will rise up and out of their, their lust or their pride or their ego, they will declare war on nations. Governments and leaders will take decisions that are not going to make sense. It's going to make things hard. But in the midst of that, we see that the group of people who know their God. Just recently, I've been seeing the death of so many young people. Like 2023, I've seen at least almost every week, I see a flyer, a poster of people not close to me, but close to people who are close to me. And young people are dying. I said, ah, is it that I am now noticing it or it is now happening or what? So much people, so much pain is going on. So much, so much is happening. So much marriages are breaking. So much relationships are in tatters. So much evil is prevailing. And it's as though the world is going to get darker and darker and darker. Then Isaiah reminds me that arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of God has risen upon you. We mostly end at this point. But the scripture doesn't end there. He says that darkness has covered the people and gross darkness the nation. He's, you see, we must say, oh, arise and shine. We're going to go for prophetic covenant. Arise and shine, arise and arise and shine. But we are going to arise and shine and the glory of God is going to come upon us because of the gross darkness that is going to prevail in the world. So what you should be investing more in regarding your marriage, regarding your finances, regarding your children, regarding every aspect of your life is to invest in knowing your God. That is the only way you can be strong and you can do exploits. Now, for many people, when you say knowing your God, it only ends at, um, at I accepted an altar call. For many of us, that's when we say have a personal relationship with God, that's for many of us, I've accepted the Lordship of Jesus. I am, I am reducing myself. I, 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 I don't smoke anymore. I don't have a boyfriend. So for you, know, the reason I don't have a boyfriend is not because you have stopped sinning. It's just that uh, that boy has not come into your life to torment you. But for many of us, that's what we think knowing God is all about. So I just listed about three or four things, or three or four stages in knowing somebody. And I use my personal life. And I think on a larger scale, it applies to us, to all of us, in our relationship with someone. So when you meet someone for the first time, what are the levels of relationship or the, the levels in your relationship with the person that you can confidently say, I know this person. As you start interacting with this person, one of the first things that you know is that you know the person's voice. You get used to the person's tone. You get used to how the person walks. You get used to the person's mannerism. That is the first level of knowing someone. So let's say I go to, you, you, you change your job, you go to a new place, and you have a colleague, maybe, I don't know, you are, you are a secretary and you are assistant secretary, for example. You save the person's number. Then after two or three times of calling the person back and forth, boss says this, boss says that, or you are, I don't know, you are a lawyer, and, 
wherever your chambers that other lawyers there after two or three months you have their members you start to communicate with them you begin to know their voice you begin to begin to know their personality oh this person there is quick temper this person is kind this person likes chilling but that is just surface knowing but that is a level of knowing and as i was even doing this i noticed that knowing the voice of god is at stage one so the way many christians find it so difficult to know what god is saying it just tells you the level of your relationship with god because this is just point one this is just the first point in knowing somebody and a point when you see the person walking from afar you can easily tell that this is the person coming then from that level of relationship you go to the next level of relationship where you can now predict the person's response to situation in life so for example you are working with a boss then you know that after after let's say six months or one year of close working with the boss you are able to tell how your boss will respond to certain news that hey maybe you want to go and leave or you want permission you are able to strategize and know when to ask for permission when not to ask for permission you are able to tell how your partner would respond to a particular news let's say for example me some of my colleagues we like talking about 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 Ghana not politics per se but about Ghana so sometimes whenever this of course whenever these political things come up and let's let's say somebody has done something a politician has done something when a colleague is going to tell her she, she already knows how I respond Ah, so it's like when she sees certain news, she will just forward it to me that hey, go. Cool. The thing we talked about, somebody is going to do it. So you are not able to predict one the things the person likes. There are some news that when I see, I send to different people. So let's say at work we are about four or so that we mostly go to um, come, mostly return home together because we're quite close to each other. Sometimes when we see certain things. Maybe there's a group page. Certain things are forwarded to the group page while we discuss on the page. But certain things are channeled to individual people. Because I know, I, oh, this person is interested in listening politics. This person is business. This person is entertainment related. So if I hear something about, um, let's say, a program, uh, a gospel workshop, I know it is this person I'll tell. If I hear something about the IMF deal or something, a politician is giving, is this person I'll tell. And I'm able to just literally predict the person's response. That is also another level in the relationship. So first, you are able to tell the person's voice. You are able to tell the person's mannerism, tell the person's behavior. And the second level, you are able to predict how the person will behave and respond to situation. Then there's another level where now the person's certain attributes of the person begin to rub off on you. Where now you are having fellowship. Now, your response is being influenced by the other person you are following. Where, let's say, you don't used to complain. But now, because you have been working with a mamra and a complainer, now you also complain. And you don't even realize that you are complaining. Maybe you used to be a moody person. But now you are always somebody who's always cheerful and laughing and giggling and so happy. Then before you realize you are no more moody. That's a level of your relationship with the person. Now, the person's certain attributes about the person begins to rub off of you. I remember, for example, me, I don't used to... I remember, I always give this example. When I was in the university, I never used to order food. Like, it, 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 I didn't even know that thing existed. Like, I, I see people doing it, but I didn't know I could do it. But me, I want to get food. I just descend my hostel, go across the road, I get whatever I want to get. Until I started relating with somebody. And a person ordered food. I was like, ah, one, this food is cheaper. It's, it's, it's more convenient. There's no stress. So why have I not been getting down here and buy food? Now I can just make a call. And I said that now that the person has spoiled me because I didn't used to order food. 
Now you can say now the person's things are rubbing off on me. I used to notice certain things. I could do things in a better way. I could do that in a better way. That is also another level in your fellowship or in your relationship. Before I think the final point, these are my dimensions of relationship. It is it is my personal thing. But now you literally cannot live without speaking to the person a day. Almost every day you are talking to the person. And for instances where you are married, your life becomes so intertwined with the person that it's almost impossible to imagine life without the person. And for those people, when they should lose their spouse, they go through deep, deep sorrow. Especially when they are relatively younger. So maybe you're in the late 40s then you lose your spouse because of the level of relationship. Maybe for the past 30 years, or if you are 40, so let's say the past 20 years, your life has been mingled and intertwined with this person. For the past 15 years, you are waking up to always this person by your side. Now you brush your teeth because of the way this person brushes teeth. Maybe you are that person who used to eat breakfast before brushing your teeth. But now because you marry somebody who eats breakfast after, your whole life has changed because of that person. And all of a sudden, you wake up one morning, and the person is no longer there. Your life, like, you just feel as though you have lost a part of your life. That is the level of knowing somebody. Which level are you in your work with God? Are you in the first level where you can know the person's voice? You know the person's personality. Oh, this person is a calm person, it's a quiet person, it's a noisy person. Or you are the level where you can predict. So now I, I can tell how God will respond certain situations at that point you don't you don't struggle with whether it's right or wrong because you are you begin to now know the character in the nature of god or you are the level where you have more of god in you and less of yourself or you have gotten to the level where literally as colossians says christ who is our life in fact when we see you we see god and sadly for many people they are they are knowing god doesn't even fit into this criteria given these four criteria of giving, they don't even fit. Daniel is saying, for the times we are living in, and look at when Daniel wrote this thing. If at that time Daniel was saying things are hard, if Daniel was living our time, then I wonder what he would say. <laughs> so that is what it means to know somebody. Do you know God like this? As I said earlier, if you are struggling to hear the voice of God, your knowing God is questionable. And this is what it means to know somebody. And God is saying that this is what it means to know me. And as a result of having this active relationship with God, two things are constant in your life. One, you'll be a strong Christian or a strong person. And two, you will do exploit. So for any believer who is not strong and for any believer who is not doing exploit, it simply tells us you don't know your God. Or it simply gives an indication of your relationship with God. And one of the things I'm trying to really learn or be conscious about is knowing people by their feet. Because, huh, I'm just speechless, but know people by their feet. Especially in an era where the sweet talker, the person who sounds convincing, looks like the real deal. Especially if you come into African politics. I was just recently, our president did some sort of ministerial appointment. And there was one particular person. This person has been a minister, senior minister, that he has been everything so. And I had to just go and look back at what actually this person has done. And you will see that this person has literally done nothing. Nothing. So let's say the person was the boss of a particular state institution. Look at the person's track record in that. What has the person done? 
that just because the person is able to get more votes or sponsor a particular party, whenever that party is in power, the person gets an appointment. And you know then they'll go like, oh, you have had experience. The person was once the board chairman of this. That is not what you should look out for. When the person was board chairman, what did the person achieve? It's about results. It's about fruits. So you see, many Ghanaians, you see our CV, I was the school prefect of this, and the school prefect. Being the school prefect doesn't mean anything. What did you achieve as school prefect? So I was the uh, Methodist Fellowship President. I was the choir president. It's not about holding positions. Because for many instances, you held the position because you were a faithful member or because you were able to talk well at the vetting. And as for you, the, the, the panel liked you. But when you took that position, what did you achieve? So we should award people on based on what they have done, not positions they have held, especially in our context, where many people are given positions because of association. Many people are given appointments because they helped a particular party. They have one, one vote in a particular region. It's for an election or they're good talkers. It's about your results. And God is saying that to judge a Christian, look at if the person is strong and if the person is doing exploits. That tells me whether you know your God. So as what did I do? I said, God, what does it mean to be strong? Then God said, this one is English. Go ahead and take your dictionary. So I just Googled the word strong. And he gave me four things. One, two, three. Yeah, five. Five things. One, a strong person or to be strong, it means you have the ability to do a demanding work. So if this person is strong, <laughs> maybe you have a you have a I don't know, a bucket of water and you want somebody to push it, you go and look for a strong person. What are you saying that this person has the ability to move this bucket from one place to another? So what does it mean to be a strong Christian? It means you have the ability to obey God, the level of your obedience. Sometimes there are, people, some, there are some things some people do as a challenge. I'm not there yet. Some sacrifices people have made. And I look at myself as a challenge. I must know my God the more. So it was not surprising what Abraham did because Abraham had been working with this God for 25 years. So when Abraham, when God asked him for Isaac, God, he had the ability to do such a demanding work. Some of us, when God asks us for 100 Ghana cities, uh, you have to pray and fast to be sure you are hearing the voice of God. To be strong, it means you have the ability to do certain kinds of work. So what are the things that God tells you to do? So if you are someone, God has never instructed you to do anything. God has not told you to pray for someone, to pray, to invest prayer, to give money to. God hasn't told you to do things. It just tells you how God sees you. Because you won't tell your, your one-year-old baby to run an errand for you. But when the person is 15, 20, you start sending the person. And even the level of errands you will send a 15-year-old is different from the level of errand you send a 30-year-old. So the question is, what demanding work are you able to do for God? The second thing about being strong, it means your ability to withstand pressure. So you see the strong person, that's what the NIV says, that they, those who know their God will be able to resist him, the king of the north. What are the things you are able to withstand? Can you withstand pressure? Years of being married without having a child. Can you withstand that pressure? Just earlier today, I was watching a movie on Netflix and a Christian lady was, um, she was dating someone and I think the, the person proposed, but she could not accept the proposal because apparently, I don't know, they didn't give a timeline, but let me say a few weeks ago or a few months ago, she slept with another man. And the reason why she slept with the man was because she needed money to pay her rent. 
And at that time, when she spoke to her boyfriend or her fiancé, the guy had just invested money in some business for their marriage also. And just because of the pressure of rent, she had to give in to a demand of a man who was willing to pay more or double the rent. That shows you the level of the strength of the woman. What are you able to sustain with pressure? When we talk about pressure, like maybe you are working in, a, in an organization and the boss is hitting on you, the head of the department, everybody, with pressure are you able to sustain? People are accusing you, people are lying against you. Is that how the level of pressure you are able to sustain in relation to your faith tells us how strong you are? The level you are not able to compromise. The third thing about being strong is that you are able to resist defeat. So when we say this army is a strong army, or this team, this football team is a strong team, it means that it has a high winning percentage. You can't be winning one, lose one, like my current football club is doing, I won't mention it. <laughs> we are losing in, 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 in chains. That tells you the strength of our team. But if your team is strong, you always go into every match with a greater percentage or with a greater probability that you are going to win the match. You are always a conqueror. You are always excelling in what you do. And the last thing about what it means to be strong is that you have the likelihood to succeed. Which is similar to the defeat, but I like this one. So if a part of, if two boxers are going to fight, we always look for the one who is stronger. The stronger person always has the chance or a higher chance of winning. So when the Bible says that they who know their God, they shall be strong. What God is saying that if you have a solid relationship with him, you will have the ability to do demanding works for God. You have the ability to sustain pressure against your faith. You have the ability to resist defeat and give in to desperation. You have the ability to resist depression. You have the ability to resist sad times. You have the ability to resist bad news. You have the ability to resist everything that seeks to frustrate your faith. To be a strong Christian, it means there's always a likelihood that you will succeed. That is why you will always be cheerful. Because Jesus said that in this world, you have trials of many kinds. I like the way Jesus has in these words. He said, you don't just have trials in your finances, but you have financial trials, family trials, health trials, every type of trials. But be your good cheer. So how cheerful you are in the midst of trials gives us an indication of your strength. But it didn't end there. Daniel said that you will not just be strong, but you will do exploits. And when I googled the word exploit, I had only two words. Maybe I was lazy, I didn't do more search. But I found two words, which I think I love. It says that you will be able to achieve a lot of things. So this person is doing exploit, <laughs> We simply mean that the person is doing things. So the person is doing something here, it's, it's achieving results, you are doing exploits. So how will I know your level of your relationship with God? I'll look at the things you have been able to achieve. Your level of achievement gives me an indication of the strength of your relationship with God. Daniel is the one saying it. And another meaning of the word exploit is to do something noble and do something many people cannot do. It's not easy to run a business. So if you own a business, a successful one at that, you are doing exploits. If you are able to run a multinational organization, you are doing fantastic. There are exploits. So Daniel is saying that amidst all these things that are going on, our presidents and people will be misbehaving and they are going to be affecting us at our small level. Amidst the gross darkness that are covering the people, 
those who have a solid relationship with God is as though they are living in a different economy and that is the truth because remember we are ambassadors of heaven so regardless of the economic situation you find yourself in your your how well you would enjoy life depends on the strength of the nation you are representing in your country you have been sent as an ambassador so if indeed we are ambassadors of Christ if indeed we have been sent here for a mission we live on the economy of God we live on the culture of God and I'm, and I believe all of us are at least are familiar with how um this ambassador thing where you know the the embassy even though the embassy is in Ghana you are in America in Ghana when we say you are heaven on earth that's what we mean so if you go to the the Canadian embassy in Ghana even though the embassy is on Ghana soil they are they are Canada in Ghana and they are, and the life they enjoy is not dependent on the economy of Ghana but is dependent on the wealth of their nation Canada or America or China or whichever country is the same thing in our work with God that's what they mean now is that you are in this world but you are not of this world so because of the level of your relationship with God you be strong and you do exploits and i always say that especially in african settings especially in our christian world we live in the in a time where spirituality and religion and fantastic things are exploding everyone is a man of god everyone is a prophet everyone is a pastor and when i mean everyone i don't mean literally everyone but we live in a time where you can easily be tossed to and fro by any wind of doctrine people will tell you interesting things and they can literally change the course of your life i remember when their friend was telling me and i, I always think about it if i was in a, in a person shoes what would i have done my friend would be telling me about how um so my friend was a guy a, a lady friend approached me and was like oh he meant that fiance went for or he joined his fiance's church you know to get into this then oh after a while well, a few days after i visited the fiance called and said chali the prophet has prophesied and the prophet is saying that 20 years into our marriage you would have a serious kidney issue and it would be so serious you will not die but the the stress of the dialysis and all those things will be so burdensome that it will literally put their marriage in turmoil serious turmoil because every day hospital and the kids are coming and money transported from one hospital to another and that was the prophecy so i think it, it was just they hanging and now the guy doesn't want to marry the lady again and who would want to marry somebody if you know that few years down the line this is what you are going to face of course you don't want to marry that So people's destinies are literally changing as to whether the prophecy is accurate or not. When I get to heaven, if I remember, I'll continue with that sound. But we live in such a times where we are all prophetic, but it's prophesying. It's, it's so easy for people to tell you fantastic things. And can, and the lady has been crying since because this is a guy that actually, and you can't fault the guy. Because actually, he doesn't want to go and put himself out. And this is the funny thing, I remember the, the, the interesting about prophecy was that the guy would be wealthy. In fact, according to the guy we reach will be running um so many organizations but the thorn in his flesh will be the the kidney uh issue about his wife. And Charlie being a rich man and all these things, why would I want to um have such an issue when I can just marry an equally virtuous woman in the church or something who won't give me any stress. And many people, many lives are like this. Many people are such situations that the people who know they are God, that is the antidote to these things. Know God for yourself. That's the only way you can be strong in this life. Because if you look at, I remember when I was telling a friend that I'm not even motivated to leave my current workplace. I don't have any problem there. 
but there's no motivation because when i look at colleagues in all other similar organizations their story is the same so it's like i just move from one frying pan to another frying pan i i like my frying pan <laughs> i like my frying pan i remember some time ago i went for a workshop and colleagues from different different similar talking, the stories are the same or similar stories so what's the guarantee that if you leave place a and go to place you are going to get a different uh, place that's a very slim of course they are good places but it just a very slim but it is those who know their god and that is why god remember christmas because he has given us access to are, are putting your life in jeopardy if you don't have a relationship with god because you can't tell me that if you hear a prophecy like this that your wife would get kidney disease blah blah you can't tell me that you would ignore these things but if you have a relationship with god you will be strong and you will explore somebody may ask how does having a relationship with god make me do explore let's say financially let's say you want to be a, a business mogul or something how does having praying every day reading how and earlier today i was reading about jacob and i noticed the prosperity of jacob you know jacob was cheated 10 times if i'm or more than 10 times by his uncle leban that when jacob was about to leave he told leban that challenge you know what i've worked for you for 20 years rather 20 years not 10 years 20 years i just remember because of seven years he worked for both wives so seven seven four so 20 years so his 20th year was about to be and he told leban actually um the spotted animals and the bear ones blah 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 the one that I spotted would be for me and mostly i just focus on that part but just today i realized that the reason why jacob said that was because in a dream god had told him that the spotted animals would do well So that's what led Jacob and for Laban to accept that offer and the, the, the animals were for Laban it simply meant that Laban knew that the clear animals or the ones without spots were doing well or from his experience as a animal rarer he knew that in bear his his flock the ones with clear skin were doing well so when Laban brought the offer that when Jacob sorry brought the offer that I would rather take the spotted ones Laban did not refuse so because Jacob had a relationship with his God because he had a relationship with his god he crossed river jordan with a staff but he crossed back with two companies multinational companies i just love the scripture i saw in isaiah 48 verse 17 it says that says the lord thy redeemer the holy one of israel i teach thee to prophets and i said ah i never saw this scripture god can teach you how to prophet God taught Joseph Isaac how to prophesy. So when everybody was going to Egypt because of the famine of the land, God said, "Papa Isaac, stay in the land." And everybody is going to America <laughs> or going elsewhere for greener pastures. It's not about the location, but there's a God that teaches his people how to prophesy. So in the midst of darkness and gross darkness that's enveloping the people, how would you arise and shine your relationship with God? God can tell you that in the next 10, 10 years So when you are going to the university, God will tell you that this career is going to become a hot cake in your country. Go and study this course. And just because of your active relationship with God, you are going to choose the right course in the university and you will learn in quotes that excellent job. You remember what God told about Abraham? Shall I hide from Abraham that which I'm about to do? So God obviously will not hide from you. So imagine you all knew about the corona. If I was into tech, oh, God would have woken me at night and my friend, wake up and do an online whatever, whatever, Zoom. I'm sure I would have called my own Zoom. God would have told me to do Zoom. <laughs> eh? If God had told me years ago that the internet would become a deal, so have Microsoft. I said, oh, that's how God teaches you to profit. Because of your active relationship with God, 
he'll be disclosing things to you. Job 22, and we'll be ending with this one. Job gives us the same insight, I think, in Job 22. Job gives us a hint into how he became the wealthiest man in the East. Verse 21. So Job 22, verse 21. Job is speaking, he says, Submit to God and be at peace with him. And in this way, prosperity will come unto you. <laughs> I like this NIV version. It says, Submit to God and be at peace with him. In this way, prosperity will come to you. Accept instructions from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be restored. If you remove wickedness far from your tent and assign your nuggets to the dust, the gold of Alpha to the rocks in the ravens, then the Almighty will be your gold and the choicest silver for you. Job is telling us the secret as to how he became the richest man in the East. God will whisper to you that you know what? Very soon, Susan and so will become the ish. So go and do specialization over here because you become in demand. This is what you would benefit. This is how you would do exploits. So every day I lay hands on my head that God, the next Apple company, let it come from me. <laughs> the next Microsoft idea, let it come from me. I want to be so close to you that when you are in court gossiping with the angels and the, the Trinity people having called, I want to be hearing some so that I can start doing my own Zoom or my Google Meet or whatever, whatever they call it. Know your God. Know how personal relationship with God. This does not mean altar call. And I explain the four levels. Get to that point in life. Where literally your life is God. God is your life. Make that investment into the relationship with God. And you will do exploit. Let's spend some time in prayer. Tonight we want to just lift up two prayers to God. We want to tell God the Father, distraction, distractions. You know, distraction is a, is a very effective arsenal. A very effective tool in winning every battle. Distract your enemies. Some of the football coaches we have, that's what they do. They, they, they have interesting press conferences. Just to distract their players from the pressure. Maybe they're going to play a Champions League final, and the pressure on them is too much. Sometimes the coach will want to take all the pressure, so you shift the focus of the journalists and everybody and the players to himself, just so that the players can fully relax. It's a strategy, and distractions is taking us from investing in knowing our God. But we want to pray to God that in this year, 2023, even as we are alive, want to God. We will not be distracted in investing in our relationship to God. Father, may we make the investment in the name of our Lord Jesus, because we know that times are hard. Thick darkness is covering the people. We know that the King of the North and the King of the South would go for war, and we are affecting our very lives, even at the small and local level. We know that because the King of the North will not have the desired results, he will cause havoc and he will turn his anger to the church. But those who know their God. We refuse to be distracted in investing in a relationship with God. We refuse to be distracted in the name of our Lord Jesus. In the name of our Lord Jesus. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Finally, we want to pray that we will pay the price in investing in a relationship with God. That we will move from the level where we just know the voice of God to know the mannerisms of God. But you move to the level where you can even predict the character. I know God is a good God. God is able to make a way in funny things. God can wait until the furnace is hitting seven times. You know that's what the the, the, the three Hebrew boys knew. He knew that you know, some of us would have prayed that, Hey God, why did the king even make the decree? God will allow the king to have a funny dream and make a decree, make the statue. God will step in. God will wait for you to enter the furnace. Then the fourth man will enter. But because you know God, you are calm when they are hitting the feelings. 
you are calm when the king the boy is threatening you that you little boys won't you bow you are calm because you know your God. father in the name of jesus we pray that in this year 2023 you will alive to you because the only way we can be strong and do exploit in the world of finance do exploit in our marriages do exploit in our families do exploit in every aspect of our life is to have a solid relationship with you. may this be our obsession this year in the name of our lord jesus amen remember we are still giving god our very best and we are all known that was better never lose your joy see you next week If not for your grace